With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Oh, that was a very muted way. Well, it, was a, it was a warm, yeah, it autumnal. Was it was autumnal. <laughs> autumnal. <laughs> it was. There yeah. a slight regret and wood smoke in that. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is quite out of palace right now. Um, this is pod is sponsored by Vector Printing. For all your printing embroidery needs, go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with a K. Nice. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. Oh, whoa, whoa. Dot com. I will. Nice. Okay. Um, what number pod is this, Jody? Pod 225. Is it? Yeah, Does that, that feels like a milestone of some sort, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Feels like halfway to 450. Mm-hmm. Five, <laughs> wait, no, 450. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so before we talk about the pod, um, we need, I can't remember if we did this last week or not. Did we? I don't know. We need to thank uh, people for donating to our sponsored walk for the foundation because we've gone over £1,000 already. Mm. Um, and as a result, I've upped it to £2,000 target. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that people will be able to keep donating because um, they've been incredibly generous so far, which has been they brilliant. Um, and we've still got what, three weeks to the walk, mm. two two weeks to go, three weeks to go. Yeah. Um, so there are plenty of donations and um, there are prizes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, woo indeed. Um, for people, if you donate, and I'm just going to read out those prizes quickly now um, so that people know uh, what they're bidding for. But if you do uh, donate and you want to be entered into the prize draw, do not hit gift aid because it won't legally count or something. Anyway, if you enter the draw and give us a £5 donation, you will be into a draw for a free subscription to the fanzine. Mm. Mm. Good. Um, £10 donation gets you into a draw to win some FYP merchandise, like T-shirts and stuff. Yeah, pretty decent. Uh, 25 quid uh, donation enters you into a draw to be a guest on the FYP Extra pod after a game. Ooh. 
getting which, better. Which this week we had Jeff Thomas as a guest. So oh, he could be rubbing yeah. shoulders with Bonafide Palace legends. Yeah. Um, and Rob Soland. And a £50 donation gets you into a draw uh, to be on this full pod in this room. Way indeed. So um, if you want to donate, go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Uh, but we'll put that online as well. I, found, I asked the foundation because I was confused by that um, gift aid yeah. stuff. Apparently, if you want to be included in the draw or if you want to donate enough to be included in the draw, then that's not a donation. It's It then becomes technically a form of gambling. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, 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 that's the, the charity rule. So you get so the tax. So, but if you don't, if you just donate money, yeah, then you click gift aid, exactly. and then we get extra money. Yeah. But if you want to be included in the, you can do both. You yeah. can you can split it. You can do like five pound, two donations, and one you can just say is this is a donation, and press gift aid. But if you want it to be included in the prize draw then you can't yeah. you don't get gift aid that's a really nice not, idea that people could do a bit of both maybe yeah that's well it was the foundation's idea because they panicked at the thought that some people might not press <laughs> gift aid basically well, you know what's been yeah. really nice since that message some a lot of people have donated and have uh, ticked gift aid and said don't worry about don't worry about the uh, draw i want the money to go to charity including gift aid well that's very so nice, that's really nice. Uh, across the board as well if the people have been very generous to us but across the board the, the foundation as a whole is getting quite close to their original target as well so fantastic yeah I think the foundation is something the Palace fans feel they can get behind and Andy Johnson's involved as well yeah so. exactly the more money that goes right. into it as well is going to put more pressure on my dad who's going to have to do this walk the yeah. evening after my birthday so he's going to be have a stinking oh. hangover <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. to be fair, and, me and, and I'm going to try my best whatever day to we make do sure it. he doesn't complete it <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think AJ's probably feeling a bit grumpy at the moment because he's you know, he's doing a really good thing by walking 26 miles and there's Jeff Thomas on the pitch, <laughs> saddle sore from a 38,000-mile bike ride, whatever it is. How's training going for the sponsored pub crawl? Um, if you count just general walking in life as training, then yeah, mm. great. Mm. I've done some. Have you? I have done what some. Have what have you done? I'm up to eight miles non-stop. Walk, walking? <laughs> yeah, but I'll probably do that anyway in a day, I reckon. Really? Well, maybe Where do you I'll, go? I'll go out walk around Mitchum Common for the eight miles one. Okay. But it's only putting one leg in front of the other at <laughs> the end of the day. And we are stopping. It's not a race, is it? <laughs> I've walked all the, all the way to this pub before. Yeah, have you? Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Oh. oh, also, that's the other thing as well we wanted to mention, which we didn't mention last week, is that uh, obviously there are some people who are less mobile than, than others. Mm-hmm. And they can still very much get involved and do the walk if they want, or they can do the final mile. You can sign up to do a half mile. If you want to do the actual walk, you can sign up to do half of it. Mm-hmm. Or um, within a couple of days, you should be able to sign up just to do the last mile. Fantastic. If you want. Yeah, or just turn up. At, we'll let you know where the pubs are going to be and just turn up and... Yeah. We'll see you in the pub. Yeah, yeah. That is, the pub Sounds thing is great. definitely happening, isn't it? The stops are definitely confirmed. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about this. Yeah, no, there's definitely, it's definitely a stop. It, they've got proper people organising it as well. They do. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a, there's a stop. Unlike in, this pod. There's, yeah, there's a pub in Richmond Park that we're stopping in. Cool. Okay, good. Um, right. Let's move on to Palace. Um, should we introduce who's on? Oh, yeah, we should do that, shouldn't we? Kevin Day. Hello. Travis Endicott. Hello. And Jesse Boyce. Pleased to be here. Um, it's a bit unorganised today, isn't it? Well, a little bit. Same as always, really. Um, it's a bit like Palace. Yeah. It is like Palace. Uh, f- well, Palace have become record breakers <coughs> this week. Yep. Yeah, first team ever to go five games at the start of the season without winning or scoring. But my question to you guys to start the pod off, uh, and we, have a few, we had a few people tweeting us saying, can you guys be positive tonight? And I feel like we are quite mostly most weeks, aren't we? Fairly we tried to be. We had one really bad week, I think. But we try to be positive. Yeah. It's not always easy. And I'll try, it's not easy, but I'll 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 leave you this. Um according to the stats people, um 
Only the last season's top six teams have had more shots on goal than Palace this season. Yeah. And we're 11th in the table for the expected goals ratio thing. Um, so does that kind of point to the fact that maybe Palace haven't been that bad this season? That maybe even a bit unlucky? Well, I felt quite dejected on Saturday until I went to my local off-licence, which is run by a chap called Ash, who you know, who's a Man United fan, but has been to Palace a couple of times and absolutely loves Palace now. Who basically, he said, well, you're going to lose seven games before Christmas, so all you've done is lose five of them in a row. So it's like, <laughs> it's still a good team. You've had, he said, oh, you have shots on target. And that, I actually came out of there feeling quite uplifted, feeling, oh, yeah, yeah maybe he's right. There is, it's, it's, it's not disaster. You know, there's still plenty of hope. We're still a half-useful team. And you, there's no point really discussing Saturday's performance because Hodgson had only been in charge for... Two days. Two days. Two, if, two training if, sessions. Two yeah. training sessions. And the fact is that, once again, you know, their keeper did make two genuinely world-class saves but the fact is we talk about systems again week in week out and once again it was two individual errors Schlupp got done far too easily on the cross and mm-hmm. then thank God Street wasn't at the game because Hennessy then just palmed it straight out to their, their yeah. striker who was standing unmarked so again every single goal we conceded this season has been well it was, an it was Stephen error. Davies the midfielder yeah. and it was his first goal for 350 yeah. days or something his, oh, his yeah. last goal against Crystal against Palace. Palace yeah well, also, the only other team to have stayed up after losing five games is Southampton, so... Oh, really? Yeah, it can be done. Well, this is the thing. I still think, and like, despite the fact that obviously it's been a terrible start and we've got three difficult games coming up, I still think whatever happens, we're probably going to be okay this season, Travis. Am I, am I, am I being over-optimistic there? In a, in a really, really, really strange way, the next three games were almost the best we could have because you're not, you're not expecting to get anything from them. If Frank was in charge and we had won these first five games, we still wouldn't expect anything from them. We could be playing amazingly. And you you don't go to these places, you don't have Chelsea come to you and you expect to pick up points. Um, Palace have always been that team, in my experience, that when we're in the championship and we're playing the Liverpools in the cup or something, we're always up the game. And people generally do that. I was playing football on the weekend and we were playing a team and they weren't very good. And we kind of just thought, wait, why haven't we stuck five past this team? So, you know... They might drop down because we're not playing very well and think it might be a bit more of a walk in the park than they expect it to be. New manager boost could possibly happen. I think players have got things to prove because of the grilling they're all getting at the moment on social media. I don't know. But I think we could just go there expecting nothing and pick up four points. And on, on the other hand, Watford were unbeaten until Man City beat them 6-0 on Saturday. And we, don't, we, don't all, we, don't, City. we don't always go. I mean, I remember going to Anfield after being ahead from the first leg of the League Cup and losing 5 0. <laughs> yeah. You'd rather. I, 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 United and Chelsea, I agree with City, I think they're probably the last team we'd want to be playing at this. Well, especially away. Yeah, but. Away. I mean, with, we'll our, talk, with our record against them anyway. But, yeah, our record's yeah. bad, especially at the Etihad. But we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, although I think in that game, it's going to be so obvious how to play that, and that'll be go ultra defensive and try and get something. Um, but we'll move on to that. But, uh, but Jesse, did you see positives? From, um, what was your overriding feeling? Did you see positives in the game or were you n- feeling negative about another defeat and, and another game without goals? Well, there's being unlucky and then there's shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, we've done the latter in every game, pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's hard to say, yeah, we've been unlucky. I think um, in tandem with that, um, we've got the top and tail of the pitch the keeper and the striker they've got no competition for places mm. so you've got nothing to bring on to freshen up the attack and by default Hennessy's in goal so it's hard to say we're unlucky I think it's, we're, we're just reaping the rewards or we're not reaping the rewards of a lack of preparation I think for, when it comes to Roy's first team 
I felt like he probably had a word with Sammy Lee before he left just to get a little bit of a lowdown on, on where we were at. I'd, you would you would do that if you were him. And based on the fact that the Burnley performance was actually all right mm. and we had plenty of shots, Roy seemed to be a little bit conservative in thinking, well, the team played well in the last game. I won't change much. Mm. Whereas I was thinking, you've got nothing to lose by changing it. Mm. Like, yeah. You've got, you got a free pass here to do what you want. You've got a wild card. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't didn't use it, did he? No. Um I just thought, how has he not seen the quality that Luca's got to uh, keep him on the bench? How has he not watched him in training and thought, I'll start him? It must be because of the last game. And he's yeah. just he's just sort of didn't want to change too much. He just brought Loftus cheek back in. You can yeah. see why he did that though, can't you? <laughs> not Luca. I mean just I mean the the that that free hit thing, that wild card thing is interesting. So a mate of mine said afterwards, you either expected him to be ultra cautious or throw caution to the wind and it kind of but he did sort of both at different times of the game it's like we went one nil down and for the next 20 minutes you, you fair enough you go okay let's not concede but let's not also park everybody just in front of the box and then we had two spells where we did look like we were on the front foot when we were pressing much higher up the pitch but then didn't have the energy to to carry on doing it and the Luca thing was really strange Van, not playing Van Arnholt is really strange because he's a com- really competent. He hasn't been brilliant this season, though, has he? He's, it's still, he's not been up to well, his standards. Well, no, none of them have been brilliant this season. No, true, but, true. But also the two names that have to be dealt with, and it's an issue every single Palace fan afterwards, during the game, after the game, and that's punching and Ward. And that, that's, mm. they've got to be, Ward has been a really good servant to the club, but he's not good enough at this level. He's not good enough to play the sort of game he's being asked to play. He hasn't got the pace to get beyond. He's playing basically as the wide right man. He hasn't got the pace to get everything stops and punch God love him is just and we all hate saying this but he doesn't he's not bringing in anything anywhere he plays and trying to play him wide on the left just didn't work and you've got a player like Schlupp who works really well wide on the left who's playing left back when Van Arnholt's on the bench Luca not playing was just it's just ludicrous but as soon as Luca come came on he was at least looking forward his first touch Loftus cheek to be fair was full of energy and he went yeah. off because of cramp in the yeah. end but Luca, Luca's first touch was always forward. He's so much more comfortable on the ball. Kabaye looks exhausted. Yeah. Punch doesn't seem to know what he's doing. MacArthur's not a Premier League footballer, whatever we say. And we just haven't got the legs and the energy in midfield. And they're number 18. They're the easy. And, and the other big problem <coughs> is Benteke's clearly a good scorer of goals. But you look at Shane Long playing for them, playing the same role. He covered every inch of the pitch. Benteke doesn't close down the centre-backs at all, which means their midfield doesn't have to worry about dropping back to cover for one of the centre-backs, which means they're, we, they're we always... That, we say that every week, don't I we? I know we do, but that's... But, uh, so what do we do about it? I know it? I haven't got the answer to people, like the bloke said to me afterwards, it's like, if 24,000 Palace fans can see it, why can't a succession of managers see it? And I, but I, know, I don't know the answer, but the fact is Benteke doesn't work nearly hard enough. We're not, they're not, he's not pressing the, the two centre-backs, and that means we're always we're on the back foot and rear because defence starts from the front. Roy should have shooken it up a bit. I think you should have had Tompkins in there with Dan. They know yeah, each other. Yeah, meant to right back. Absolutely. Wardy's just, his confidence is shot. Everyone yeah. can see that. Um, yeah, and the last time we scored a goal, it was against Hull, and it was uh, PVA and Schlupp bombing up the left. Yeah. Both of them scored that, but, day, yeah, did they? Yeah. Right? So we know that works. We know that they're comfortable well, on Schlupp the left. Schlupp won the penalty, didn't he? That? That's right, yeah. yeah that's yeah, right, that's sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just think it was pretty clear that Roy should have said, right, let's let's battle for the first eleven rather than just continue. I mean, with- you can you can see the logic behind 
playing similar to the way at Burnley because it was such a good performance and it did seem like the team was heading in the right direction and he can only have learned so much after two training sessions surely I know what you're saying about Luca and yeah we all love Luca and, and you'd have you'd have thought he'd have shown his quality in training he probably has but Roy can only learn so much surely from from two yeah. days of training yeah, yeah, oh just... yeah no it was a better performance at Burnley and so the bigger question is why did we set the manager not you know what did Roy learn from it but it's it just seems that the same sentimentality we have for punching seems to be someone at the club has got the same theme because they just want to shoehorn punch into whatever system we play. Whether it's because he's captain, or I, don't, I don't know, or whether it's because he brings qualities that we just don't see. And no one takes any pleasure in saying it. No. Well, but I think punching would, you know, we talked to him on the podcast, yeah. didn't we, back in April. I think he'd be the first to admit that he's not de- delivering the way he can. Well, there was an interview he had the other day on Palace where he just goes, I ignore everything. If the manager's happy for me to play and my teammates are happy with me playing, I'll do the job I need to do. Mm. Uh, do. Surely of that attitude, he'd be happy just going, look, if he's going to do a better job than I, mm. I step it, step aside and let him do it. And I'm sure he wouldn't be the, the, he wouldn't moan about that at all and he's not going to throw up a hissy fit. He's just there. I think he's there, one of those players, knowing that he wants to end his career at the club. He'd be quite happy to kind of do a demo role, what he's been doing for the past few years and help people. And like we were talking about recently, the age of our centre midfield at the moment. Yeah. Luca's one of those ones that <coughs> He's the youngest central midfield player we have. Yeah, yeah, twenty-five. So. Yeah, and that's twenty-five. Yeah. You kind of get into your peak there. The others have all just seemed to have lost their legs slightly. And when you're playing Burnley and they're one nil up and they're holding back a little bit, it can make them look a bit better. But once you're needing to kind of do your more box-to-box role, it wasn't working. I mean, well, I guess, did, I guess, I mean the made a lot of key passes. Though. I've looked into the stats of it. I think he still has a big part to play in the team. But McArthur's the one. I just don't think it's gonna it's gonna work with him. It needs to be Kabayan. Uh, Luca. Well, both of them, Kabai and McCarthy, seem to me were getting the ball so much, so often with their back to goal rather than. And you see Loftus cheap when he does get the ball. His first instinct is to do the half turn and drive forward. And to be fair, in the first half, there were some really good bits of link up play with Loftus cheek and other people going through the middle rather than out, out wide. But mm. th- that's the problem. Our, t- our two best players at the moment are not our players. Mm. They're both on loan. And you know, you, you guess that when Sacco's fit, it's going to be Sacco and Foster Mensa. Or Sacco and, and Tompkins and then Fossi Mensah at right back. I think it'd be, that, yeah, and that'll be right an back, NPV, yeah. and that's not a bad back four. But as Travis says, there's a real lack of energy in that in that midfield. There's a real lack of legs. Kabai was was mugged far too easily, and I think Bobby Madley was is a not a good ref. But the, all five yellow cards were deserved mm. for Palace on Saturday, and four of them came from us losing the ball and trying too yeah. hard to Clipping to get out. it back. And it's not like Southampton were pretty. You know, Southampton. Are a team we could have beaten. Burnley are a team we could have beaten. Huddersfield are a team. Swansea. I mean, that number eighteen was a prime example of the sort of player we need in midfield. Lamina. Lamina. He was yeah. great. Yeah. And also every time, like, and it's all very well for Palace fans to so say we'll get it out wide. That's what we do. But Townsend, who, who doesn't deserve any discredit from Saturday, I thought we had a half decent game, but he hasn't got the legs to beat people. Ward certainly hasn't. So you're getting the ball out wide, and they've got so much time to reset and regroup, unless they put the crosses in early, which they don't. So much as I don't like Benteke's work rate, he's also not getting the ball in front of him. I don't think he had a cross in front of him for the whole game, so you can't blame... No, he had that you one know, chance, you, didn't he? Yeah. You know in football that if you, um, if you don't score the first goal, the team that scores the first goal is likely to... Well, he's likely to lose. They're likely to go on and get at least a point. Mm-hmm. So, And we're in desperate need of a goal. Roy should be well aware that we need to score that first goal, especially mm-hmm. on Saturday against Southampton. So... Luca was only going to help that happen. Yeah. He just he left us a little bit exposed in front of the, those defenders, or at least 
the two short and stubby midfielders we have in Kabai and Punch and they half their yellow cards because their legs are too short and they, yeah. and they lunge in. That's what happened at Burnley, I think, with Kabai yeah. as well. Yeah. And then he's he's the one who's been designated the um, spot kick and free kick taker. Yeah. So against Burnley again, Kabai had it, hit it straight into the wall. Doesn't feel like there's much sort of forethought into what we're going to do without Luca because he's been integral in pre-season yeah. and at the end of last year. So I just find it crazy at this dire, te- dire time of need that he's not like first on the sheet, let alone on the bench. He'll be in, surely he'll be in next game. He's showed in those 15 minutes well, how good he is. You'd well. guess so. and you'd, you'd imagine that Sacco, I mean, Sacco had a really good eight games with Luca in front of him. So you'd, you'd imagine that Sacco would acknowledge to the management how important he was. To that. And then again, we always talk about the, the decent first thing. Once we got, if you've got Loftus Cheek and uh, Luca at the heart, you know, as your two central midfield players, that's two good central midfield players. Just a with a decent back four and it's hard to come back. So it's still, it's still a decent side, but it's just that they just at the moment they don't they look broken. They just look. They look like they don't know what to do. They look like there's no, and of course it wouldn't be after because you know, we only had two days. But yeah, it just, exactly. they look like they were trying things out on the hoof. They didn't look like they was getting any real guidance. The thing and, is, you know. like you're talking about the, the a midfield that's sort of losing its legs a bit, which is a very valid point, um, and a sort of backup in quality. This is the team we've got now till January. Mm. You know, so it's not so we we can't bring people in unless we find free transfers. But invariably, most free transfers aren't well, that it's good. Not, if not in free transfers, it's people like without contracts free agents it? free agents, whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah but there'll be a free agent you know yeah. probably because they're not that good um so there's not a lot of work can do apart from try, find find a system to get their best out of this team and that's that's not going to be easy well you can't i mean you can get you can get somebody closer to benteke for a start off because that's the other thing i feel i really feel for benteke and it'll be the same at man city next week when he plays as a lone striker again so many people are having to go at benteke and this is not his fault i will have a go at him for not closing defenders down but what else is he too the ball's fired in at him and he'll get a flick on, and it looks like it's a pointless flick on because none of the midfield have got the legs or the ambition to get beyond him and, and, and take a risk on it because no one's close enough to him to do that. He's winning some really good balls. He's not going to be able to hold up every single pass that's fired at his throat and keep it for, for while people get around him. Mm. They're really good flicks, some of those he's doing, but there was no one, there wasn't a Gale there or a Defoe or wherever it is. There wasn't a Zaha. Or a Zaha yeah, up close enough to, to get near and make something of it. So that's... I, mean, I think that's been another problem that's been highlighted since Zaha's been away is that Townsend thrives when uh, Zaha's on the pitch because Zaha's the danger man and it frees him up a little bit. Yeah. And I just, as long as getting a right back and a, well, Fossey went to can play there and a goalkeeper, I think another proper danger man that maybe end product isn't that great, but someone that stands on the ball and they're thinking, right, we need to get people around this guy because he's going to cause something and cause some problems. Loftus-Cheek could be that guy? Loftus-Cheek could be that guy, but I think maybe he's... Someone out out wide, and I think Schlupp could be that guy. He's got the pace to do it, get in behind. But imagine some of those flick-ons if Schlupp was a bit further wide. No, he could have easily got behind in the same way that he won the penalty. Well, you know what's really annoying on that basis is that when we left, let Balassi go, which we all thought was a really good move for that amount of money. Yeah. My sanctimonious son, Ed, goes, it's a terrible mistake. should never let him go. It, uh, he's exactly what we need at the moment. And Travis's point is a really good one. Because when Zahar's playing, the other teams tend to instinctively shift towards him so the yeah. other fullback is almost leaving space on the line for Townsend to get down yeah. behind him. when he's not you can it's, you can, it's like watching a, a tactical map when you watch the opposition they're all in their positions they're all the problem you know, is I mean firstly um, we sold Blasio to raise money for Benteke I think didn't we yeah. was, and we got and to be at the time we all thought that that yeah. was a lot of money for Blasio he scored 17 goals last season yeah. so um, 
the second thing is this is shining a light on something we said before, which is we rely on a handful of players so much. Mm, we yeah. rely on Wilf yeah. so much. When he's mm. not there, look yeah. how much we struggle. And we're talking about trying to find ways to to get on without him. Is that a bigger issue at the club at the moment? That we just we have a cup. So we want Sacco back. We're talking about Luca and Wilf. We, well, we said this for every single transfer window that we never get strength in depth at all. We improve our first eleven, but you never look at a bench for a Palace and go right. Yeah, that, that guy could come on. You could. You have your kind of first starting eleven, and if they're all fit, they'll play every single game, mm. every game. You would I don't think there's many players at the club that you'd necessarily, apart from one or two, bring in and out to change against different teams. I don't know. I think yeah, it's we, just we a bit spoke of a tough about one. that after the Burnley game. It's, it's so you're you're, at, you're without Saka, who's not fit. You've got Ruben Loftus Cheek, who's not fit. You've got Zaha, who's also injured. Two or three first choice players are always going to be struggling to start. Mm. But the time we get those three players starting. Benteke will have five yellows and so will Kabai. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. that's pretty much what will happen. Mm. So you've got to be able to account for that in, in the squad you set up. Plus is the, the archetypal kind of strength and depth situation. We've mm. got Townsend in and Balassi went out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would have been... Yeah. And, then, and then you're thinking, oh, we're, the Oliver Burke noise has made sense. Right, yeah. here's going to be that competition for places winger that we need. And it didn't happen. So yeah, you're right. The strength and depth, depth, strength and depth issues just been there for years and it yeah. was, we're really paying for it now because we haven't had injuries like this at the beginning of the season before mm. and I don't but I suppose well the optimistic part of you as well is somebody said as well during the game if Zahar had been fit he probably would have injured himself again anyway by just getting frustrated because you know he's such a team player now he's, you know, since he's been back at the club yeah. he tries so hard he probably would have either been booked sent off or just or kicked or, 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 like or been, is it, yeah because he would have tried to make something happen it's like but he can't make something happen. But there is, as I say, once we get Sacco back, once we get that strength, that leadership on the pitch, which we, until Luca came on, we'd seem to lack leadership on the pitch because Dan looked a bit hesitant. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for players who are out of position like Slut. But I mean, Slut, I mean, the first half, it was embarrassing. They just picked, that was their out ball every time. He, he, had, he had a mere um, first half, yeah. didn't he, Slut? There was a pretty damning Complete. montage of match the day of Benteki's failings. I don't know if you saw Shearer pick him apart. Yeah. Um, but what the bit that he did miss out, which I thought he was going to include just to show what he should be doing, to your point, Kev, was he did come out and win the ball and pass it to Schlupp, who put the cross in for that close uh, mm. point-blank shot from Punch. And that came from Benteke yeah. Yeah. coming yeah. out of yeah. his comfort zone yeah. and winning the ball and putting it into Schlupp. And mm. there was a chance for Townsend where Benteke flicked it on and Punch and lofted it over the defender and then Townsend got in behind Almost the fullback. Almost the last, last kick of the last first half. Last kick of the first yeah, half yeah, yeah. shanked it. Yeah. So it and, that, and that goes to your point about uh, midfielders running just on. somebody with him. Somebody with him. Uh, yeah. Benteke. So it yeah, can yeah. be done and yeah. the players can do it but we're just... Yeah. Is it a lack of confidence? Is it a lack of system? It's also, I mean, it's really unfair. If, you know, we see Benteke week in, week out and we know how well he can finish when the circumstances are right for him when the ball's put in front of him put in the right area but Shearer you know Shearer's obviously a world class player he never played in a team like Palace Shearer would have struggled Shearer wouldn't be making things happen on his own yeah yeah you know, we could, you could easily put a montage together of Alan Shearer making <laughs> mistakes so it's really unfair to pick when a team's struggling like that it's really unfair to pick any one individual out because you know, I was reading the, Rude Hullett's written this book about tactics which is quite interesting he always says a, mis- a, a mistake by a player is very rarely an individual. It's normally three or four mistakes in a row that lead to a player getting the ball in the wrong place. But mm-hmm. that hasn't always been the case this season. It's not the case with goalkeepers. We've made because as I say, every goal's come from an individual error. But you can't isolate one player and say it was entirely their fault. You can say some players didn't work well in the role, and that could be confidence or whatever. But mm-hmm. the 
and again, as we say, it's easy to talk about punching the ward need taking out for their own safety and their own sake and their own confidence. But who do you put in? Well, this is the thing. Yeah, exactly. Because you, know, you, if you put in Ching Lee, you put in, and, and it's yeah, it will be Fossey Mensah as soon as he's fit. He'll be right back. Yeah. But Luka, you do wonder Luka comes back in, but yeah, and we had all this nonsense in the tabloids last week claiming that De Boer humiliated uh, Ward, and yet he's started every game, and he's one player that nobody thinks should have done. Yeah, he was really confident in yeah you know, when Pulis's system he worked really well in that. In That's that the system. best he's ever played. Yeah, yeah, and he looked really good then. He looked put like the cross on John Terry's head. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Joel Ward for England chance at that point. Yeah. Well, but everyone yeah, I mean, seeing that system, everyone knew what was happening in that system. Was that? Yeah, Pulis of all the managers we've had it was the most dogmatic do system. Do we not think Roy is going to do the same sort of thing? I think he will eventually. Yeah, that's what all the ex-players say. They say he works all the time in training on, on drills and manoeuvres and without the ball and where you should be in a particular place. Well, and that's what we, we need to... Speaking of ex-players, shall we hear from a player that played and coached with Roy Hodgson mm-hmm. while at West Brom? We've got a special guest coming up in part two. So join us in a bit. Hello, welcome back to the 5 Plan Podcast. Uh, we've got a very special guest for you uh, in this part, part two, which is sponsored by Vector Printing. For your printing board you need, go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector Weather. Okay. And JCI is the global research and brand consultancy uh, uh, from uh, South uh, London. Visit uh, uh, jc-is.com. I will. Very nice. Um, so to try and get a bit of an insight into what Roy is going to bring to Palace and the sort of changes he'll make, I caught up with a player that played with him and coached with him. So this is former West Brom goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach, Dean Kiley, with his thoughts on Roy Hodgson. From a player's point of view, what what, what does Roy bring? Like, What what, what is he going to bring to the well, club now? Well, Jim, I was, um, I was a coach with Roy. So Roy came in after um, Roberto Di Matteo, and I was, I was a player coach then. Um, yeah. And then I was... Roy's coach, Roy's goalkeeping coach, um, so a member of his staff, and I have to say he's he's the best, he's, he's the best by 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 a mile. And the thing that the thing that sort of infuriates me a little bit is the public perception or the tabloid perception or the real cheap, easy sort of um, you know sort of things that that they dig Roy with mm. are so far removed. From Monday to Friday, mm. the way he engages with staff, the way he engages with players, and he's a he's a charming, charismatic. Well, first of all, knowledgeable, mm. so knowledgeable, you know, and he's an, he's very intelligent, and again, really engaging. And he's got. I mean, he came, he comes in with no ego. Mm. He brings obviously. Uh, it's a little different at Palace, obviously with Sammy Lee and that going, and obviously one of the Dutch coaches going. But at West Brom, he came in with Terry Burton and embraced the staff, the existing staff there, and said, "Listen, we all want the same thing. Mm. Let's just work incredibly hard and get it done." Mm. And the best thing that I thought was well, one of the best things that I thought was great about Roy is no strategy. Well. There's a strategy, long term, all this planning, all these meetings about meetings about meetings. He says to the physio, to the fitness coach, and to the coaches, "How many players are training today?" And you go, "Well, 20, 20 boss." And they go, "Brilliant. Well, we're going to do this, that, and the other, A, B, and C." Mm. And he's out there. He's in the middle. He's got his tracksuit on. He'll have a couple of balls under his arm, ready to keep the session and keep feeding in, and this, that, and the other. 
and he just then just wants to coach. Mm. He just wants to coach. And it's not like he's a young fledgling coach sort of, you know, finding his way or cutting his teeth. Everything he says has a, brings a weight and a gravity. And, and players, in my experience um, at West Brom, players really responded really, really well. And this is what I mean about the outside, the public perception. Mm. And actually, Chris Brunt, James Morrison, Ben Foster, you know, these solid, solid Premier League players absolutely loved Roy Hodgson. I was, I was fortunate enough to go um, to an England training session. There was myself and Keith Downing, who was a former coach at West Brom, mm. and Roy invited us down. And we went in for lunch. Um, and so, you know, your roomies, your, you know, top, top players, they'll, you know, come up as we go and this, that, and the other, talking away. And then they go, they turn, they turn the conversation. And this, like I say, this is not like down the pub told me this. This is first-hand experience. They turn the conversation, knowing that you know Roy, yeah. to, my God, Roy's like, how good is Roy? He's <laughs> class. Oh, it's brilliant. His coaching's brilliant. You know, his training's brilliant. This, that, and, the other. and I think that's really, I think that's really refreshing because in this day and age about, you know, fantasy football and he's 50 million and he's 100 million and he's whatever and he earns whatever, Roy doesn't look at a player and a prize tag and a whatever it be. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's about, um, it's about coaching the player. Yeah. And making him better. Yeah. I honestly truly, truly believe that he can impart information, knowledge and coach world class players. And he can. Do you do you think he's the he's the right guy for Palace right now? Uh, right, I think I think the fact that you said right now, yeah, is is um, and I think you probably said it for a reason. Is that can he have a immediate impact? Yeah, and obviously I know that your next couple of games are really really difficult. But again, again, the impact I'm talking about is getting players who listen. You know, Crystal Palace squad. If you look at it on paper, is is a decent squad. Yeah. You know, Crystal Palace, the club, have, have amassed a decent squad of players together. Now, five defeats probably leaves a couple of them lacking in a bit of confidence and fragile um, right now. So, can Roy impact that and influence that? 100% yes. And I, I really, really do. And listen, I'm going to be biased because I think, I think Roy... Roy was, a, was great for me individually and helped my coaching career on no end. I learned loads, and uh, yeah, I, I do. People, people are drawn, or players are drawn to him. Mm. People in and around. He, he's honestly, he's a good, good guy. There's no, there's no question. I've, I went, I've been to a couple of his press conferences already, and he's, he's definitely very warm. He's very sort of charismatic. Everyone in, in the room sort of warms to him quickly. Is he, is he a good sort of man manager to players? Yeah, um, I, I'll be honest. Um, you know, managers have to make tough decisions in terms of leaving people out and some, you know, some just say, well, you know, it is what it is, get on with it and it's quite harsh and quite sort of cold like that. Um, Roy explains all his decisions, uh, explains the reasoning and actually, you know, the odd time when maybe a player had a, a, bee, a bit of bee in his bonnet or uh, probably, probably thought he had a a worthy case to put forward to why he should have played would walk out of the room because Roy would have explained the tactical reasoning behind him leaving him out or this, that and the other and would appease the player no problem because of his way because he has an empathy because he has a, 
a feeling about him. He's, he's good, and uh, like I say, I like to. I mean, you spend a lot of time um, with people, and you know, Roy talking about uh, Malmo, Inter Milan, you know, all the the, the stuff, the Swiss, uh, his time over in Switzerland, and you know, his the languages he speaks, the books he reads, this and the other. So we're not sat on a bus, you know reading Blooming Lux magazine or whatever it be and just passing no, but you know, just yeah. passing the time or filling the time. You're just engrossed and engaged that with the with the stuff that Roy talks about. Mm. And, and 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 you know, that has an impact forget football for a minute, but you know, you work in an office or you work out on the roads or this and the other. If somebody's got that gift mm. that they can engage and they can, you know, sort of hold your interest and, and, and get you sort of buying into stuff and whatever, then that's um, that's a good skill to have, and, and, and Roy's certainly got that. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like, and obviously you'll know this better than me. It, it, it doesn't sound like there are there are many people in football like that. Is he a bit of a rarity in the game? Um, I'd say he's a, I'd say he's a bit of a rarity now. Yeah, because I think um, I think probably modern managers are more aloof and detached, and then just drop into affect players and this that and the other. Mm. Whereas I think Roy sort of immerses himself into it. You know, he really, he really does jump into it. I mean, I, I don't know, but looking from afar, I think he's just, I think he's just bowled in there. As for his training kit, where's my training kit? Where do I, where do I change? Right, let's get going. Mm. Type thing. You know, let, let's just get going and let's get him out in the grass and and let's get let's get coaching. So again, I think that's. I think that's so so refreshing because so many times now we you know we're always talking about the worth or the value of a player and nobody and me listen I'm 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 a coach and I think that gets I think that gets overlooked. Mm. Let's talk about making players better, even if it's a hundred million pound player. Can you relatively so? Can you make him better? I think Roy Hodgson would say, yeah, I can, and trust himself to you know really really trust his in his ability to, to do that and, and get it done. I mean, it or, or work it incredibly hard to try and do it. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's needed because at the moment it looks very much like the Palace players are, are lacking confidence. I mean, they're really, really good players. It's, a good, it's probably the best squad we've, we've ever had, but it looks like they're lacking confidence. Is, that, is confidence genuinely a thing that can affect you know, Premier League players? And, it, and, it, and is Roy the oh. guy that can get that out of them? Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. It's the fact that and again, this comes into worth, value, this player's X amount of million or earns X amount of million. It doesn't mean that every Saturday you will get, you know, £50 million worth of player on that pitch producing that. Yeah. There are peaks and troughs, and it is, it is. It's, it's confidence, it's momentum, you know, the, you know, riding the crest of a wave because things that you're flying high individually or your team's doing incredibly well is momentum. But that same momentum sometimes can leave you feeling as if you're in a bit of quicksand and, you know, results aren't great. And that's, I mean, let's get, let's get right. That's where Palace are now, mm. you know. And, and I, again, Roy's solution in my experience, Roy's solution for um, highs and lows and, and, and sort of the twists and the turns of individual players or the team dynamic or the group is, and, and, and it comes back to, Right, how many players we've got? Let's get out in the grass. We're going to do 3v2s. We're going to do attacking formations. We're going to do attacking patterns. Or, mm. right, 
need to work defensively on on some shape on 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 this that and the other, and this is what we're doing. And uh, the the one thing I took, the one big thing I took, and he used to say all the time, is don't waste don't waste any any moment of any session. Hmm. You know, whatever you're doing, whatever your session is, and whatever it's relative for, make sure make sure you do it in that in that way. So you know, you hear a lot of things about you know managers just warm up. They have a game or two to have a box or whatever, and they play a game on half a pitch or whatever it be. You know, and this that and that. Yeah. And in my experience, again, Roy would call you know that's just filling time. You're just you're just entertaining the players and filling their time, where. Roy goes the other end of the spectrum and goes, no, we need to affect them. So whatever we're doing, whatever we need to work on, let's not waste any minute of this session this morning and let's get it done. Yeah. And well, then, you know, we'd come back in, we'd have a cup of tea and we'd sit. This was good. That was good. That worked well. Didn't he do well? Didn't defensively that work well? Attacking, you know, he's going to cause problems. And, you know, and, and, that, and that's, how, that's how you get to deliberate and, and talk about you know who's maybe going to play on a Saturday, or you know, and that's and and that was that was great for me because you know my, my coaching career was just beginning after a long playing career, so to be involved and exposed in that was 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 excellent for me. What and what, what's the atmosphere going to be like at the training ground? Because there's rumours that obviously De Boer, you know, it, it wasn't quite sort of friendly down there, and and the players weren't sort of buying into it. Is Roy someone that likes to get everyone sort of friendly on the training ground, or is it all serious? Yeah. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Um, um, listen, when you're working, you're working. But I've got to say, you know, Roy does it with a smile on his face and he's got a, a real good way and a good manner. You know, mm. I think you, you go on all these courses and people talk about a coaching style or what's your coaching style, what's your manner. Roy does have a warm, a, a, a sort of warmth and an empathy. And, um, you know, if you're not doing it, he'll tell you. He'll give you, he'll give you a sting, a sort of verbal lashing. No problem at all. Mm. Um, but it's never... It's never humiliating. It's never at the expense of making you look, making a player look small or stupid or whatever like that. It's again, it, it's done for a reason because he wants to make uh, make you better. But I remember um, at West Brom, uh, the Di Matteo regime would be playing on a Saturday and in for a warm down on a Sunday and have Monday off. Roy came in and said, uh, "We plan a Saturday. We have Sunday off and then we'll back, get back training Monday." So he changed that and. Yeah. Um, one of the coaches asked him why, and he said, Sunday is when your kids are off school, when mm. your missus, if she works or whatever, you know, Sunday is a rest day, Sunday is a family day, spend it with your family. Yeah. So, you know, the value of having a warm down and, you know, you know, drinking protein gels or whatever you need at the training ground on a Sunday, Roy put more value or stock in the fact that spend it with your family, spend good quality time with your family, and then when you come Monday, we're back working. Yeah. And and the, the players responded great because at the time at West Brom, Di Matteo was on a little bit of a sticky wicket and we were sort of falling down the league. And then that season we finished, um, I think it was 10th or 11th, you know, very, yeah. very comfortable in the in the division. So little shifts and change in, in, in that, what he, what he wanted to impart, uh, the players responded really really well to things like that yeah i like that i really like that that's nice sort of making making family important and speaking of which do you do you think it in a way it's quite a romantic move because obviously he's a croydon boy played for palace in the 60s in the youth team 50 years later he's back at palace do you think he'll enjoy that kind of romanticism side of it well i do i do remember um 
uh, with Terry Burton and Keith Downing and myself um, just that night before a game talking about football and, you know, saying who's your, who would your club be? You know, obviously when you're working in football, it, it's a little different, you know, in terms of yeah. your room, whatever. And, and, and Roy, and Roy would be, um, the, the first to say, with no hesitation, uh, it, Palace for me. And I'm not just saying that now he's the manager. What I'm saying is, again, that's a first hand sort of, um, experience of mine where, like yeah. I say, you're just talking about it and Roy got no, Palace for me used to go and watch him play. Yeah. You know, sort of local team to me. So I think it's, um, I think certainly when the England job came around for Roy and he left West Brom, while he was, while he, it was difficult for him to leave West Brom, you know, he dressed it up as, and rightly so, listen, 40 years coaching for me, this is the pinnacle, this is the top, this is the top job, and it's a nice way for my career to come towards, you know, its end. But that chapter's finished, and you know whatever you think of this that, and the other, that chapter's finished. So actually, to have this one bolted on the end of him, I, I think is I think is great for him. I, I really, really do. And I know, and I know the type of fellow he is. He'll he will absolutely be buzzing the fact that he is the Crystal Palace manager. Yeah. No question. No question of that. But it doesn't seem like you say like uh, that's how his career will end. He doesn't seem like the sort of person, even at seventy, who is ready to to, to hang up his boots. Like he's, he no. seems very enthusiastic, no, no. doesn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think he got you know you get itchy because he loves, like I say, out on the grass affecting players and coaching players. So when that's not there, you, yeah, you, you'll have a little. But, but I don't. Know. The way I look at it is that. The England thing, and and again the, the tabloid standpoint on it, and this that you you know you can you can dress it up as you like. The, the the way I look at that is that knowing Roy, and personally having worked for him, is that however you perceive England or whatever it be, it wasn't through the lack of doing it properly. It wasn't for the lack of the preparation. It wasn't through the lack of coaching and doing it. You know, if it had just turned up and picked, ah, listen, we've got great players on you go and just thrown them out there. Then he's culpable, you know, in my opinion. Mm. But, but I think he's got a real, real good opportunity to positively affect Palace, who right now, and you use them to right now, yeah. are in a are in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, and he can try and affect that in a positive way. And I think that would be fitting for Roy. I think he would really, really take take a lot of pleasure in in, in sort of. Um, Doing that, yeah, yeah. Do you think, in a way, though, that there's there was a risk if you if you're a fan of a club or you're close to it, and then you're working there, is it harder to yeah. detach yourself when things are going wrong? Sometimes be a bit more sort of analytical when it isn't going the right I way. I think the I think the romance or the that sort of feeling about it's your club and this and the other, you you maybe reflect on that when you're away from it. So. You know, if you're at home with, with, with his wife or you, whatever, you, you might get a bit sentimental in that respect in, in talking about, mm. talking about Palace with a, with a warm, a warm feeling. And certainly, as soon as he drives through those gates, he's just, it's just football head on. Yeah. You know, he won't be reminiscing about anything apart from, you know, now, obviously, the defeat today, but that'll get parked up and, and, and addressed, but then parked up and on to the next one. Yeah, and you know, and he'll, he'll relish he'll relish the time from now till the next one. Obviously, which is a cup game, but that'll get um, that'll get dealt with, and, and again, he'll thoroughly enjoy the 
the time on the grass trying to trying to get a solution and find it and pick a team and uh, you know to, to get a victory i guess he's been through so many scenarios you know in 40 years that nothing is a surprise is it even this situation won't be a surprise because he'll have had it somewhere at some club i don't think yeah i think that's exactly right and i think um i think you know when people uh, i think people put in when he said uh I don't think there's too much wrong. And then people took that as in, well, well you know, why did you get rid of Frank de Boer, you know, in terms of the football team? But, yeah, you know, whether people deem it as a crisis or whatever at the football club, I don't think he does. Because mm. for the simple reason, probably what you've just said, is the fact he's looking and he's going, yeah, they're lacking in confidence. Yeah, they're a bit down. Yeah, they need this. Yeah, they need that. Well, that's what I'll do then. Yeah. And again, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, pretty clear. Let's just crack on. Let's just work extremely hard. Like I say, a meeting at West Brom took place with players and staff. And he went, listen, we all benefit from winning. We all benefit from staying in this division. Everybody's life is better if we're doing well. Yeah. So why wouldn't we all just work extremely hard together and let's see where, let's see what we can do. And I think, I think probably the self-same um, talk or, or in a similar vein has probably already taken place at Bristol Palace. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but do you think Palace can stay up under Roy? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I really do. And listen, whether, I'm, whether my vision is blurred with a, with some bias or whatever is 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 by the by. But no, I think um, I think Crystal Palace have uh, uh, stayed in the vision for a while now, and yeah, they're in a tough spot right now. But I think he can. Uh, I think he can do it. No problem at all. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Ray. Pod two two five, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk. It's Vector with a K. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Very nice. Um, so that was Dean Kylie there in part two, who played and coached with Roy. Um, being very positive about Roy, did it make you guys feel a little bit more positive about things going forward? Uh, the one positive I really got from it was the. Uh to talk about his relationship with players because that, that's been a massive focal point with De Boer leaving is his relationship with certain players. Mm-hmm. Um, what, some, what, did he change, where was it at West Brom he changed where players would come in on a Sunday and do their warm down, have their day off on a Monday. He kind of changed that around to make it a bit more family orientated for the yeah. players. Yeah. He just sounds like a guy that's going to be really nice to have around in the same way that Sammy Lee was talked about in that way. He's just a good guy to have around the club, good for morale. I think that he seems like one of these guys that will get everyone on side. Mm-hmm. And not really cause a bit of a divide, which seems... Is that what happens. we need right now, do you think? Is that... Definitely needed. I mean, it's... <laughs> the, the main thing that's needed, I think, is for the cl- everyone to feel as a unit. Yeah. Yeah. Just to raise the confidence It feels like that's everyone. kind of, you know, that togetherness that we talk about Palace has kind of disappeared a bit. It seems to have disappeared off the pitch a little bit with the fans as well. It's, it's, it's difficult to speculate about what's happening on the pitch, apart from the, you know... People like Delaney goes to tabloids last week, and but every single ex-player who's played with Hodgson, except one or two at the top international level, has been full of praises for him as a as a coach mm-hmm. and as an individualist. There's nothing spectacular about his coaching style. It's quite old-fashioned, but possibly what you what you want. I was at a meeting the foundation on Wednesday, and one of the directors was at Fulham the whole time Hodgson was there. He said he was a really decent man and galvanises the whole. 
the whole club. He's the sort of guy who knows everybody's name, not just the players, but he'll know the receptionists, he'll know the cooks. He'll mm-hmm. so he never speaks publicly about the players in any negative way, shape or form. He's very good at talking one to one with the players. Simple things like remembering wives' names and birthdays and yeah, and but at, he will he will find a shape, he will find a way of getting the best out of his players. He will, does tend to use, once he's found 11, 12 players, he does tend to use those 11, 12 players as much as possible. Even, on, sa- e, don't we? even on Saturday, he was quite late with substitutions and yeah. still didn't use all three of them. So, yeah, the jury's... I, mean, I think we all said last week, if it had been... We had appointed him in the summer, you'd say it showed a lack of ambition, but at the moment, it's probably the right... There'll be a, there, there'll right be a reason, won't there, that so many people in football speak so highly of, oh, yeah, of a man cool. that's worked for 40 uh, years uh, in uh, the game. Absolutely. And, and all, well, also simple things is like he'll be able to speak to some of the players in their own language. He speaks French and, yeah. and, and seven languages. Uh, he speaks seven languages. So that that's the sort of thing that counts. He will, from what I can gather, pick out one or two of the more senior players. So I'm sure he'll be talking to Sacco and Kabai. And, uh, yeah, Sammy, it's a shame Samuel Lee's not, not there. That would have been nice. That would have been a good start for him to so say, let's keep Sammy around. But you understand yeah. having a clean break, as we spoke well, about that Well, he's brought in Ray Lewington, who's a guy he's worked with a lot. He's brought in Stephen Reid as well, who's a young coach, who again with a lot of energy, who is the same age as the players, which will which will help on the training pitch, I think. Yeah. Andros Townsend also played his best stuff for England under uh, Roy. Uh, yes, he did. Coming off the bench, pinging him in off the post, yeah. cutting inside. <laughs> yeah. do it Never way. seen since. Yeah. So you've got to hope that bodes well. Yeah. That Townsend perks up a bit under him. Yeah. And Although I thought Townsend, I, to be fair, I thought Townsend had a half decent game on Saturday. He just didn't quite know where he's meant to be at any given time. Basically, he's like, but it looked a bit, didn't it, on Saturday, like a like a team that was trying very hard, but had a manager that had only been there three days. Yeah, I, I think we all, that. maybe we all get carried away, and we all expect that with that at least the first game is going to be such adrenaline that we'll we'll score three or four goals. And possibly if we'd scored the first goal, it's the first five minutes, we were on the front foot from the start. And possibly yeah. if we had scored the first goal, we would have gone on to to score more. But we, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he looks to do in the transfer window because I don't think his, his reputation at certainly at clubs like West Brom and Fulham wasn't in bringing in... £30 million strikers. He no, looks, he looks... he was quite canny. He was quite shrewd signings. and quite canny. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see players... From the championship, rather than players from abroad. But again, he's he's yeah, with his contacts abroad as well. We might see people. Well, it was him that resurrected Shane Long's career. At West yeah, Brom, brought him in yeah. And, and, and turned him into. A and also, you can't underestimate. He is an ex-England manager as, as well, which still does have a certain cachet with with agents and with players who are coming to Palace who might not necessarily choose to come to Palace, but yeah, will yeah. think, oh, okay, he's yeah, and he's well known. You know, yeah, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much to Dean Carley for chatting to us. There, it's good to get. A bit Dean Carley still got his goalkeeping. Still, is he available as a free agent? <laughs> we have got a place <laughs> in the squad. Yeah. So, yeah, there is, yeah. We do yeah. need a keeper. Um, it's good to get um, uh, the insight from someone that's worked with him there, so much appreciated. Um, let's crack on with some questions. And well then. done with getting West Brom's reserve goalkeeper while other podcasts were having the chairman on. <laughs> no, but we got someone that's worked with Roy. And we, yes, we have, yeah, yeah. Interesting insight. <laughs> yeah. um, right, and we had Jeff Thomas on the extra podcast. No, we did, yes. Uh, so and we're getting Andy Johnson the next week Andy or so, Johnson. aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we're doing all right. Yeah. Um, right, question time uh, from our listener. The first question is from Art Vandelay 32 Hi, Art. Hi. Hi. Says, with all the wild gossip flying around, is it not time to bring back Palace Club Call? <laughs> <laughs> with all the funds raised, we could buy a striker. <laughs> that goes back a bit, doesn't it? Club Call. Did you ever involved in that at any, any point? Only in phoning it and getting massive... 
phone bills. I think you should probably explain what it is to younger listeners. Travis, you know, come on. And that absolutely no idea. Seriously. Had a really cool 80s retro logo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, in, in, well, I suppose in the 80s, you, you had two ways of getting to school. It was teletext, yeah. which the screen was updated every year or so, if you were lucky. And then club call, you would actually phone the club up. Yeah, and you'd and get you, a recorded message from Terry Byfield. Yeah, or you, and you could get, but you could get commentaries. I ended up, I was in Belfast listening to a commentary of a cup game. and no I didn't, I had no idea that it was going to cost me that much money. You could get commentary? Yeah, yeah, just pick the phone, you'd just be on the phone, and then you'd get live commentary of the, of the game. I had no idea. Sometimes from Terry. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know in the days, at the same time, you could buy a video of every away game as well, in the club shop. No, They used, used to get that. a really shonky video of the away <laughs> game, where Terry's mate would film it on his camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the club oh, call. Bring back club call. Yeah. Um, right. The first <laughs> question about Palace and not club call this week is from Depeche Toad. Hi, Depeche oh, nice Toad. name. Good name. Um, he says, looking at this season and last, we now haven't scored in nine of our ten last Premier League games. Mm. Uh, so the game we did score in was Hull. Hull. Very true. Um, so you could say we scored four goals in the last ten games if you want to be more yeah. upbeat about it. <laughs> you yeah. could you could say that. <laughs> um, here uh, and he carries on and says we survived under Sam, but did he ever really fix what Pardew royally broke? Did he fix what Pardew broke? Yeah, well, we kind of did in the January transfer window. Um, yeah, but we we were forced into that for keeping Pardew on for so long. So. Yeah, he did fix it. He just didn't get a chance to build on it. Cement it. Yeah. Which hopefully what Roy will do. Hopefully. Fingers it's, crossed. It's, it's funny, there's no... Given the circumstances of Allardyce's departure, there's no blame attached to Allardyce at all. But you do, with hindsight, and, and I was... I, I appreciate I've been a bit of a hypocrite here because I was very much in favour of bringing De Boer in. You do think that perhaps there should have been something between Allardyce and... De Boer, given the squad we had, maybe you know, I don't know if anyone thought about letting Sammy Lee step up. I know he wasn't brilliant at Bolton or whatever, but it's it's just it's one of those great imponderables, isn't it? What where would we be in the league now if Allardyce yeah. was still? And although having said that, his man his record against the lower teams wasn't brilliant. We won more games against the big, top, the, the, big, the big teams than we did with with it him. Does, does it just feel a bit like we sort of we've just gone backwards? We, we were heading in the right direction and we just. The whole divorce thing has just set us back. Years, possibly. Yeah, it does, but this is old ground. But at the same time, I also think that the ambition we showed in looking for a different type of manager was the right ambition, basically. We we had to do that were we, re- were we ready for that? No, again, we're going over old ground. We, probably, we obviously weren't, given the fact that he's not our manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Amusingly, Pardew blames our record-breaking string of uh, no wins at home on... Suarez car crash and said, "You know, we, you know, we lost the left back, yeah. and then we ended up buying two in January, and now we've got three. Yeah. So we did fix the team. If you look well, at it that four way. with Gyro, maybe. Mm. Yeah, Gyro's defence. Five with Kelly. Yeah. Well, again, Gyro's another midfield option as well. Yeah, that's true. What do you think is going to happen to him? Because I, 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 I've got this sort of twisted feeling that it, we're never going to see him again. We want he'd be one of those like it's that Zohar signings that we just <laughs> is, came and then didn't perform and more." Is, is Dutch one of Roy's languages? Don't <laughs> Don't know. Know. Probably. It might, it's a serious question because it might help if maybe because he's clearly. I mean, Tottenham have brought in the other half of the Ajax central defensive pairing from last season, and everyone yeah. says that's a brilliant buy. 
So I don't see there's any reason why we can't assume that Reader Weld would be able to adapt. Just feels like he'd be left a bit high and dry with his only mate. Well, not his only mate, but the well, guy that yeah, brought him in. in. And you absolutely feel sorry for him in a way because yeah. it must be a massive culture shock for him on and off the pitch, especially if he's not getting. Yeah, he's still got Van Aanholt there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. But I'm it's just ironic cuz that last 10 minutes of De Boer's stint he was actually quite good when he came off the yeah. pitch. Yeah. No, he was. At Burnley, yeah. He was around. Right. Yeah. Um okay, next question is from Gun for Show. Hi Gun. Hi Gun. Not sure about that username. Um if you could bring back any former Palace striker still playing football to compete with Benteke, who would it be and why? Still playing football. Mm-hmm. Like compete with or compliment uh, he's gone for compete with. Is that signed or loaned as well? <laughs> I don't. I mean, let's say either. So get like Remy back again. Scoring goals now, isn't he for Las yeah. Palmas? Is he? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's done all right. Yeah, yeah, two and two. I'll probably bring him back. I don't, I wouldn't bring Gale back because I just don't think I really don't think he can do it in the Premier League, and I just don't think it'd be the answer for us. I think it would be Lloyd. I there's a part of me that disagrees with you about. Gale just based on the Liverpool game just yeah. based on Chris Ball where again it's one of those things it's one of those big what ifs we would, uh, twice a year on the pod we'd say what if Gale got a chance to play with Murray and you just kind of think Gale is an option it's just it's not even competing with Benteke it's, it's just having an option to either take his place or play with him or and again it's it's not just the strikers it's the way the midfield play with him it's it's Players of his sort of kind of few and far between, there aren't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, I think if, if you ask me for non-Palace players, I'd say Diego Costa. If Benteke had some of that devilment, that'd be that'd be brilliant. I, was like, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that Palace fans are kind of we get a bit nostalgic about players sometimes, and the Liverpool game, you know, in particular, and, and, yeah, and he maybe he just wasn't him. as good as we thought he was. Well, but how many times did he start? His goal-scoring record was actually good. In, in, in comparison to the amount of games he started, yeah, but then you'd say he had a succession of managers that didn't really rate him, so there might be reason for that. Or... Yeah, we've not really had much to choose from up front since we've got back to the Premier League, Chamac and uh, Sonogo, and you name it. But yeah. I mean, to your point about uh, what might have happened if it wasn't a Palace player, the, the rumours that have resurfaced about Defoe, thanks to Solarco, <laughs> uh, and you can only sort of think about how they, those two have worked together. Sounds like it was nearer than we maybe thought it was. Could have been good. Well, it could have been good, but there again, there would have been a section of Palace fans going, what sort of ambition is this that we're bringing in a 35-year-old yeah. striker? And then it resurrects the rumours that the only reason Alan Lice went is because he didn't get the money from Parish for Defoe, which isn't true. Yeah, the, the, the sad thing as well is I think we all thought when Defoe, uh, De Boer came in that some of the new places on the bench would be filled by some of our youngsters because mm-hmm. we'd all been told that there's a lot of potential there and it quite clearly there's not as much potential as maybe we thought. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they thought it happened. The, the, the Levy-Lamaca thing, Lumeca, Lumeca yeah. was interesting playing him at Burnley and Jesse was saying on the way back that, that yes, it was great a young player came on but that was almost De Boer saying to the board, look what, look what I've got to do. I got. This, is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is all i got to play with. Yeah. Okay, I've got, I got two former Palace names for you then, striker-wise. Fraser Campbell? But we knew we needed a striker even when we had him. Yeah. So, so why did we get rid of him? I don't think we should forget that. Like he was just there because there was nothing else then. So why he went without a replacement being lined up? It's just. And he put me. himself about. You know, he was saying Shen Long earlier. Fraser always put himself about. He did. Yeah. Scored a few goals. Nuisance value. Uh, yeah. As did. Do is when we let go to Norwich. It, uh, it was. 
Lewis Graben? No, no, that's years no ago. a couple of years back. To Norwich? Yeah, we, we went back to Norwich. Don't know. Chris oh, Martin? Cameron. No, that'll be after that. Jerome. Jerome, yeah. Oh, Sorry, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Cameron, Cameron Jerome. And he went on to score quite a few goals for Norwich, yeah. didn't he? But, he? but again, nuisance value. He didn't score for us, but nuisance value. He never yeah. stopped moving. He's yeah. always moving defenders out of position. That's what Campbell does. He's always moving people out of position. Yeah, so that's what we need. We need a striker with nuisance value. But I thought um, the chairman's comments were interesting last night on that other podcast mm-hmm. when he said that he, he wished he'd overruled that transfer. Campbell. Campbell. You kind of go, well, it's a little bit late now. And if, if you knew we were short of a striker, A, why did you not overrule it? And B, why did you not get another striker in? And maybe give him yeah. that extra year like Damo got when there's no manager to say otherwise. To, yeah. I mean, they clearly very, very were good, trying very, to get, Yeah, very good point. They clearly yeah, were yeah. trying to get a striker in, weren't they? But, yeah. And things didn't work out. But in terms of having backup to make, in case those things don't work, it makes yeah. getting rid of Campbell look even... Even more short sighted. But we've never been that. It's been a while since we've been really well blessed with strikers. Yeah. We've, had, we've talked about having two, three, or four really good strikers. Is that because it's hard to keep strikers that, that don't play when it's so obvious they're going to be back up to Benteke to keep them around? I think they're always going to be the prime targets for any club. I mean, they are the ones that go for the big bucks, don't they, really? Who was the second striker you said you were going to throw into the mix, ex Palace striker? Andy Johnson? Not, is he still fit? I thought, I thought He's struggling to do a 26-mile march on <laughs> in three <laughs> weeks' time. It would have fit us one there. I thought yeah, you were going to say Murray in terms of compete with, as in target man. Well, um, one, of the, one of the players that's currently out of contract is Ricky Lambert. Who Hodgson picked yeah. for, which I know he's 36, but yeah. if you're talking about Vegas not being able to be choosers, yeah, he, exactly. was, he was a really good player at one stage. Did he sign yeah. in for Liverpool? Was that yeah. him? Or oh, I think he did. Rami Rogers signed in for Liverpool. But he gave him his England He picked him for England, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Liz- was it Hodgson who gave Kelly his one cap? Or was that Oh, no. Capello? I don't know, but it was Hodgson that um, picked Kelly for Liverpool. That started oh, picking okay. more regularly for Liverpool. Interesting. Um, okay, so leading on from, from talk, sort of talking about ex-players and stuff, uh, and from punching earlier, Daniel Schilling Hi, Daniel. has said, is sentimentality a good or a bad thing for football clubs? It's something that we seem to really do a lot at Palace, don't we? Loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a fair question, though? Well, it is a fair question. Loaded because you know Daniel or...? <laughs> <laughs> No, so we've just got a, a whole roll call. We could put together an 11 of backroom staff, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not bad to be sentimental, but uh, it's because it brings all the positives where, yeah, not booing players just because they left your club because they had a good stint when they were there, those types of things. But then being sentimental and letting that affect decisions that get made, that's when it turns into a, a slight issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I bringing people back to the club all the time it seems like sometimes just for a morale boost just to make everyone else seem a bit happy is that a bad thing on the pitch on the pitches I, I think it's i think it's absolutely right to be sentimental if that's the right word about ex-players of previous generations it's absolutely right to look after players that were palace players who are no longer playing football and can no longer afford yeah. the rent or whatever it is it's absolutely right that clubs i hate it one of the things i hated most about jordan when he came in was that he ripped all the photographs down said that's the past i think play clubs should should have one foot in the past in terms of their context and in terms of the people that have done them great service in times gone by but when it comes to actually winning games now then no i don't think you should be sentimental at all i mean in fact it's held us back for some time, I don't, I don't know if we're more sentimental as fans or as a club than others. But I think there are some players, Delaney, for example, 
punching who probably went on past their their best years for us because fans were only too keen to see them there and managers are only too keen to make the fans happy by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sacco, you could almost describe Sacco coming back as a sentimental mm. choice in a way, yeah. if you want it to be cynical, especially the way Parrish is describing it, saying that he's back because 90% of the Palace fans wanted him back. As it happens, he is a really good player. So, yeah. But still, there is an element of sentiment in that. You know, he played really well for eight games, getting back will be happy. Mm-hmm. But I've, I, No, it, it can't, much as you want to see... I mean, that's the interesting thing. I mean, the, you'd, you'd, if you'd left Sellers Park on Saturday and it was, this was our first season back in the Premier League... You'd go, oh, it is what it is. That's a championship squad, and we have to adapt. But it's not. It's our f- fifth season back in the Premier League. Yeah. And much as that, we love that team that got us out of the the championship in 2013. It's never going to keep us in it, and championship players aren't going to keep us in it. And yeah, we there are people being sentimental about Ledley, and people being sentimental about Kabai now. Players that have not been in the club that long, and it's like you can't afford to be sentimental. And you would hope that nobody in management hierarchy is making decisions based on. But there again, you could say bringing Doogie Freeman back is based on sentiment. Yeah, so yeah everyone's like, talking about Roy Hodgson returning to, 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 to South London. To, to, and yeah, quite right, yeah. Because it is. But it's funny you say that about uh, the team that got us up. Five years is a long time in football. Oh, yeah. A lot can change yeah. with players and clubs and, and people getting older. So, But in times gone by, we were sentimental out of necessity. A couple came back because <laughs> yeah, we needed it. Yeah, no, good, very good point. Um, yeah. And same with Doogie. He stepped in to help Paul Hart. Yeah. He stayed on yeah, yeah. out of merit to stay to help Burley. But you can't tell me that Dougie's the best man for that job right now. Yeah. He's not qualified to do it. So there's a degree of sentimentality there, like it or not. How do we it know he's not really qualified to do that? I mean, well, but based on the fact that he hasn't done it elsewhere. He's experienced to do that role. I don't yeah. know, being a man, I don't know. I don't yeah. really still know what the role is as such, but if it's someone that's overseeing stuff, and, and Friedman was someone who got a reputation for overseeing everything at Palace when he was manager and really sort of yeah. running that training ground. Well, is that not experience? We know from last night that he told Steve Parrish we need more strikers, so he's working at a level intellectually way above we can even <laughs> he's imagine. Right, he's right, he's right. Yeah. yeah. That's a fair point. It'd be interesting yeah. to see, I'm too lazy to do it, but if somebody listening to this wants to do it, it'd be interesting to pick the top 10 clubs in the Premier League now and see how many players in their squad or their starting eleven were there two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I suspect in the case of a lot of them, the answer will be not that many. It tends to be goalkeepers, ironically, mm-hmm. and centre-backs, they tend to have long... Yeah, but Hennessy's not there out of sentiment, surely, is he? <laughs> well, no. he knows the goalkeeping coach from Wales, so... Uh, that's a good point. Okay. Well, he plays well for Wales as well, that's it. That's the Two back-to-back clean sheets. Well, yeah. Yeah, and he looks... He what, just looks more... He looks far more confident when he plays for Wales than he does for us, but that's... You know, well, d- again, that's, we there's another... Matches, dis- there's another conversation to be had about why that's the case yeah exactly well I think we keep, that's mm. something we keep coming back to a lack right. of confidence in our squad and I think it's very difficult there's there's no uh, manual about how to get players feeling confident again it's mm. difficult for managers to do that and uh, Frank clearly couldn't do that um, and hopefully Roy will next question is from David Fraser hi David speaking hi, of confidence it's not a very confident question um, he says would there be any way back from eight straight defeats well, it'd be the Palace way, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. It'd be amazing. Well, to be honest, if we do, if it does, if we do lose next three games and it's eight defeats, I'm putting money on Palace turn up. Yeah, because the odds would be amazing. Mm. And like you say, it would be very I'd, Palace. It would be amazing. It's never been. Well, I don't know if anybody's ever lost eight games before. I doubt it without scoring. But it would leave us with thirty games to get 
38 points, which is durable. November, December, we've got a run of seven games against teams that are likely to be in the lower part of the table. Then, it's. I mean, you'd think it's. You'd think it'd be unlikely. I mean, the trouble is, of course, then how do you attract players in the January transfer window? Mm-hmm. What? Do, how do you offer? How do you offer them decent money when the chances are you're going to be in the championship? What do? You, what the club will then start asking questions. What do you do? Do you start planning for the championship already? Do you just grit but your teeth and see out the rest? A lot can change, can't it? In, in, a few, in, in a few weeks, in a few months. It's, it's, yeah, it uh, could. It takes a few results to turn things around. As yeah, well, also, the other thing as well is watching matches. Is I watched Bour- Bournemouth-Brighton on Friday night. Neither of them are good teams. Southampton aren't a particularly good team. West Brom apparently were terrible against Brighton. So it's, it, it, it's, a league of, it's a league of 10 we have to finish in the top seven of. And I think that would be doable even if we do lose the next three games. I think what's important in the next three games is the way we play, whether we can get a goal, whether we can nick a point in one of them. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not as scared of Chelsea and Man United as I would be of, of Man City. But I think that it's the performance. It's, you know, it's, can we get Sacco back? Can we get Zahar back? Can we find a way of playing? Can we look like we want to play? It's true. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, and what do you do as well? You know, Frank De Boer's lawyers will probably be asking the question: If if Roy loses the next six games on the trot without scoring a goal, <laughs> yeah, what do we do? Sack him? We uh, well, it's, it's, I, I do we lose players? In the, you know, what, yeah, if if Tottenham come in for Zahara in the January window and we're adrift at the bottom, do we let him go for money? Probably. I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. just think. We have to see where we are, don't we? That's so short-termism, but it's difficult, isn't it, to plan ahead? We can't, we can't predict anything, um, but I don't think we would have problems doing any business in January if we started playing well in the next few games. Once all the players, once Sacco's in the team, once Luke is starting, hopefully, once we just look a bit more solid, once we've scored a couple of goals, you can put this kind of bad little run and you could say to us look well that happened at this point I don't think Frank even had a fully fit starting 11 at any no, end no. did he so no. I mean he hasn't had that we haven't had that as a team yet so I, I don't think we'd have any major issues in, in January if we but you know it's one of those things you're going to have to start hitting the ground sooner rather than later and the next three games isn't going to help that whatsoever no okay but it could build confidence nicking a point at one of them and that's yeah or even seconds. even not getting better to be perfectly honest yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you get a, even if you see a, a you see signs of progress. You see a formation. You see players working for each other. So you, you know, losing, you lose three one. You get the first goal. And everyone goes. That's not. Thought, it, you if know. you play really well and you go, but we still lost. It's kind of. I think it does. You won't really. But get I think much right now, Palace fans aren't asking for much, are they? They're just no, no. To be Palace I mean, fans, but the players themselves. I mean, no I, matter how hard you work in a game, if you lose seven nil or one, yeah. you know, you're always going to not still get much lost. from it. I think your point very early on about the next three games almost work for us because they are three games that we're not expected to win mm-hmm. but you look at United yesterday and that 4-0 really flattered them without Pogba they looked fairly laboured in midfield so you wouldn't you'd, you'd think we could go to Man U and sort of defend and maybe nick something we've got a decent record against Chelsea away and not too bad at home they don't they don't tend to batter us at home it's the City one is the one I would worry about because. Yeah. But then if we go to City and like you said a minute ago and don't get battered and I know that's it's not a negative way of looking at it but it's if we go there and and get a goal but lose two one or three one that will give us massive confidence going into United. It, 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 it would. We have to get the goal. I mean, we have to, and also what we have to do is cut out individual errors and also you you kind of think if if Joel Ward gets picked on Saturday 
Then he must have photographs of somebody. It's, it's just, it's like, but it's not, it's just, you know, but again, if, even if it's a hard, um, if Sacco's fit now, he wouldn't put him back in for that game. But it might be, it might be a case that, as uh, as Travis said, it might be that City just subconsciously are just playing at 80%. Yeah. We nick a goal early. Just go, we, you know, we, we've got to be hard to beat. And I don't think we've yeah. really started one game trying to be hard to beat. Uh, yeah. Conceded goals were in the first. No, that's the top. I mean, that's the top again. Individual areas. Let's try and get to half time at nil nil. Let's get to fifteen minutes in at nil nil. Luke and Loftus Cheek in the middle, and I'd put Tompkins at right back when Sacco's fit. Sacco, Dan, Tompkins, and PVA. Like we just got to shore it up. Try not to concede. He should be gaffer, mate. No, you'd have Fossey, mate. I'd have Dan. Looks like he needs a bit of a rest as well. I'd have. Tom but at least then you're going to have you're going to start. But on Saturday, you're talking about Saturday, yeah, yeah, just yeah, mm. when they're not fit, yeah. Um, I think Loftus Cheek is a big Loftus Cheek, Zahar, Fossey Mensah, three players. I think we're getting the, outside the top six. We're getting any team. I still think Benteke yeah. would. Well, yeah, yeah, fair point, yeah. And also, I still think Loftus Cheek might be the one that gets you need to get closer to Benteke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the, the, the best bits this season have become yeah. when he has linked up with Benteke. Yeah, well, even the the one that was a brilliant last ditch challenge was a great move when Benteke's yeah. dummy Loftus Cheek through. Yeah, and I mean the composure he showed Loftus Cheek because somebody like Townsend would have tried to hit that first time, but he you know did the dummy got and that looked like that was going to be a wonder goal and that could have kick started the season. You don't know, so that's the small margins, isn't it? So, well, but these are the margins that we're dealing with. Yeah, but they? then the trouble is, we stay up and then we have this conversation next season because we lose Fossey <laughs> Mensah and we lose Loftus Cheek yeah, and we yeah. well, we don't replace them. We probably do. I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea's record of loans, though. I mean, they often they youth team players they often get rid of them. Yeah. So, but this, that's that's way that's way in the future. Um, the next question is from Spalucci Jungle. Hi, Spalucci. He says. Um, <laughs> Can you have high money earners and togetherness in the Palace squad? Is it something that can that can live side by side? Yeah, it did tail end the last season, I think. Yeah, it, it, there's been a few contract improvements. Well, one improvement. The shock should have worn off by now. Like it's become the the, the norm for a couple, good couple of years. So I, I mean, yeah, it's just it's just the way it is. It happens at every club. I mean, it was. It seemed to be a big thing for Palace when they broke the wage structure for Kabai, because till then yeah. we were a club that paid everybody just about the same, and we were one of the lowest payers in the Premier League by a mm-hmm. country mile. But it happens at every club at every level. There's always one or two players that are paid more than the rest for a reason, and for the most part, the other players who are also being paid quite a lot of money are happy for that because they're getting success because the best players come in. People. People like Joel Warder, I guess, isn't one of the highest earners. Can't resent the fact that somebody's coming in from another club and getting paid more money than he is while he's still being picked. And if that player keeps us in the in the Premier League, I mean, it's a, that's the problem. With it's not just transfer fees, is it? It is wages and agents' fees and add-ons and image rights and mm-hmm. all those other things we don't know about that add up to to more and more the 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 problem for someone like Benteke is when he is so publicly getting more than anybody else well he's not actually doing the job that he's paid to do I mean that's the difficult thing that's where the the argument's set in but you know a, a promoted club a club coming out of the championship will have I imagine most of the players will be within five or ten thousand pound of each other but then it's it's, it's Jesse says it's the nature of the beast it's I guess, yeah. I guess it's something it's something new to Palace isn't it we've we've never been in this kind of world of high wages and stuff before. It doesn't help when 
managers like Pardew point out in the press conference uh, why uh, goodbye ends more and any other player uh, knocking uh, on his door. Just, just cause, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, to say it publicly is like, it's, yeah. it, no, it doesn't help. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, okay, last few questions. Well, I suppose, Travis, you never had that when you played for the academy. There's no one, I mean, I know some of those youngsters are, have got agents and are getting paid, but are there players in the academy that are kind of got more Billy Big Boots than anybody else's? Sort of re- uh, the what, uh, can you, it, the things change then when you start getting selected for under 16 in England squads and things like that. Those are the players when there's there's rumours going around, oh, wait, Chelsea. Are in Ch-. Those those are the things that boost players then, which is te- well, it's the same thing as transfers and money transfers here. The, the prospect of you being at a higher point fills you yeah with a bit of arrogance there's a few players that actually it killed it for them really really yeah well too big for you boots too early do you not need a bit well, of arrogance to, I mean, well, to you do need a bit up? of arrogance but I mean there's a point where you're being so arrogant that you're turning down contracts because you believe you're better than the club type of thing I don't think that happens with the money side of things though because you oh, I don't know it's a, it's a difficult one I, I don't think being at a club if someone was earning more than me I would uh, have a problem with it but like you said it's when it when the job's not then being done that's when it starts turning into a bit of an issue and you're thinking, hold on a second. I could do that. <laughs> well, mean, we saw we saw with Danny I Rose. I mean, Danny Rose is ill-fated interview in the Sun just before the season started when he's he's saying they should be getting more high earners in. But we know that mm. Deli Alley and Kane are getting higher wages. And but if you're getting 90 grand, to fans, it will always seem like you're being greedy if you're moaning about somebody getting 120 grand, especially when that's somebody scoring 20 goals a season. Yeah. Or is Deli Ali, yeah. or hasn't moved to Real Madrid, which they could easily have done to get three yeah. times the money. So, yeah, I mean that's the I think that's the problem with players is is managing the PR around them demanding more money. Yeah, because I don't think any football fan we understand now we they're getting paid a lot of money, and you don't resent it as long as you're still staying in the Premier League. It's it's when you end up in that situation where you're back in the championship with players that are still getting paid Premier League money that's happened at so many clubs and you I think the other thing at the end of the day if you're a footballer up until the age of 35 when you retire how much more can you do with that extra 20 grand than that other guy because you can't start partying harder or Mm. enjoy more extravagant long lavish holidays but you know what I mean it's not your lifestyles aren't generally that different this guy might be able to afford a car that's slightly more expensive yeah. than the one that you... But I mean, generally, those those little things, they're all earning enough to afford. And also but the trouble is, as well, though, from but looking at it from their perspective, from the age of 35, that's a lot... They probably won't earn money again because mm. there's so... there's not There aren't that many pundit roles available or coaching roles available. And f- there's a lot of players. And, you know, the FA and the Premier League have got good schemes for, for ex-players to try to get them in, journeys, but basically they, they earn really good money up to the age of 35. Then you've got a lot of, it's like cultural things where a lot of the African players, three quarters of their money has been, I've known for talking to managers of various clubs, African players in their contracts will have it written in as to how much is going home to families and all that. So it's not, a lot of them are living higher, you know, living the... Well, Papa Swire mentioned that in his interview, the fact that um, he said African players like me, it's a massive financial... He's the breadwinner for the whole, for the whole family across... Yeah, it's yeah not for a generation. For a generation, so, so you, so yeah, that's you can understand why they all want to maximise their. See, in a way, you can't earnings. really like it's it's difficult to kind of blame or criticise them for them trying to maximise. No, we all because we all would in the same yeah. way that why we are surprised when a player gets transferred. They, they're they're employees. They don't love the club the way we do. I mean, it's it's. I think most football fans would, 
even now when the numbers are getting so mind-boggling, you can't even sort of compute, really. You don't sort of tend to blame the players. It's, you you resent agents getting it. You resent where it's going in the broadcast. You know, or clubs like overstretching themselves but, where yeah, they yeah, might. But this is it. Clubs are being smart. Some some clubs are being smart to work around the sort of astronomical fees they're having to find and, and the wage wage bills that they're having to deal with because you two clubs this year, West Brom and Huddersfield, I think I heard a West Brom fan boasting on the radio they got five players for under forty million. Mm. And same with Huddersfield, they got Mounier and uh, Aaron Moy, I think was already kind of yeah. halfway in, but they did the business early mm. and that meant that they could get good deals from clubs that maybe needed the money to buy their players. And look where they are in the league, and hardly shipping any goals. So, well, but also the other side of that is, it's quite possible that the, the quid pro quo is that yeah, we we don't pay the club as much, but the player gets paid mm, a lot right. more, and that player could be there for three years. So, for we know, Huddersfield could be paying Aaron Moy Premier League wages two seasons time when they're back in the the Championship. But then, but I, but that's a good point you make because all the rumours, and we don't know because no one tells us that we lost Chenkin from Besiktas because we wouldn't pay the full money. Up front, hmm. we wanted to pay two or three. Yeah, exactly. He scored <laughs> yeah. two world class goals since then, yeah. and in between, we found five million, six million, whatever it was to pay off De Boer. So there is that. And it, that's, see, that's the other thing with Palace fans. It's very hard to persuade to convince Palace fans why there isn't the money to buy players when we've got the two billionaire Americans. Because and also when every second day in the newspaper you read about the Premier League TV money. Yeah. And if we go down, we'll get £55 million parachute money. So it's very hard to explain to fans why we're not competing with other clubs when it looks like there's money... Uh, well, and I know Steve Parrish drops his hints occasionally about financial fair play stuff, and, but it doesn't seem that any other clubs that worried about those those issues. And You see Watford pluck Richarlison out of nowhere yeah. from Brazil for like 10 or £11 million, pounds, yeah. whatever it is. And I'm just amazed there's not more transactions like that going on in the transfer window. It's just doing your homework and being prepared. Southampton every year have one or two players that yeah. seem to pop up from nowhere and then leave for twice the amount of money. Yeah, Well, that's because they spent decades building up their yeah. scouting systems. Speaking well. of fans, we've had uh, a comment on the BBS saying, can you stop calling people on BBS morons? I don't, I've not called anyone on the BBS a moron. Chimps. I've called them chimps. <laughs> okay. Well, in, in that case, uh, in my message to the BBS, I'll, I'll stop calling you chimps if you stop telling me to f*** off. <laughs> that's fair enough. Basically. Okay. Um, because, uh, basically, it's ruining the first 15 minutes of my visit to the Portsons every week. As a, I don't, there's a succession of people come up to me and say, yeah, it's, you hear what so-and-so said about you? Like, no, tell no. me. No. In a way, though, if people are, I, mean, I get it as well on BBS, if people are criticising you, that means you've made it in a way, doesn't it? Not, I don't mind. It's, I don't. It goes with the territory. If we say things out loud, people are going to say things back to you. That's fine. It's just you kind of resent the manner in which it's said. And also, what annoys me is when people get really cross when you you say, "I'd rather you didn't say that about me," but in a more articulate way than what they've said to you. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're supposed to sit there in silence while they, you know. This is, this is the thing with Twitter and forums and stuff. It's fine. We all support. It. Of course, it is. I mean, the fact is, we all I get loads of it. I know you do, but you deserve it. I'm like me. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, but you know what slightly annoys me about how things are at Palace at the moment because the fact is, it's it's a volatile atmosphere. We all support the same club, and I, all I want to talk to Palace fans about is is Palace, you know, yeah, the exactly. past, the future, the present. But at the moment, everyone's having a go at each other about all sorts of things. Everyone's blaming each other, and the one people who can't do anything about this situation are the fans to an extent. We can get behind a team on a 
Saturday, but there's no point us having a go at each other. And I, I, anyone can disagree with anything I say because I know sometimes half the things I say are nonsense and I know I can contradict myself as Oscar Wilde said it's a mark of a gentleman to hold two contradictory opinions in the same sentence and I know I know I'm perfectly capable of starting one sentence with a one view and finishing it with another I'm aware of that and I know occasionally you I compare yourself to Oscar Wilde a little bit yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to somebody on the HOL go you're a fucking Oscar Wilde you, you know but of course, it's all about. But, it's, right now, uh, but it? it's all about yeah. opinions. I don't mind. But all I want to do is talk about palace with people. It's just I don't want to be. I don't want to find myself. It's like the bloke who said, "How dare you say Dougie Freeman's divisive?" I said, "Mate, we haven't had a row for ten years, and now suddenly we're having a row about whether he's divisive <laughs> yeah, or not." It's yeah. like, and it is the, the atmosphere at the moment is volatile. It it's is, unfriendly. Yeah. And it's not, and, and it, 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 and also that is partly the club's fault because again, in the absence of information we tend to speculate and we tend to argue with each other I don't yeah. want to fall out with anyone on the, no, the BBS opinions. the HOL well, opinions are fine it's just uh, don't write them in green crayon on the internet <laughs> okay <laughs> final, <laughs> final question is from Carl Mortimer hi, hi Carl. Carl Carl does uh, the social media for FYP does a very good job as well very nice guy and he says can you shed some light on the rumours that a modelling agency want to sign up Andy Street after his soccer Saturday appearance <laughs> I mean he'd be the last person they go to surely It'd be my dad, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be the first, Obvious. first Obvious through thing. the door. Yeah. Stop reading old. the BBS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes across well on telly, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah, does all right. Yeah. The, apparently, I'm told the TV puts twelve pounds on you. It didn't put twelve pounds on him. Put twelve pounds on me, and his twelve pounds got put on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Thank you very much for your questions this week. Um, keep sending them in, please, for next week. After the break, we're going to preview two games in a week for Palace against Huddersfield and Man City. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Three. Pod two two five, sponsored by Vector Printing for your printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk as a vector with a K. And JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Very nice. Yes. Um, so Palace got two games this week: Man City on Saturday and Huddersfield in the League Cup fourth round. Fifth Caribou round. Cup. Caribou, the Caribou Cup. Let's preview that briefly. Because obviously that the pod will be out of date within about twenty four hours. Um, Jack Laws, hi Jack, says, would a cup run be a good distraction from our current dire league form, or would it have a negative effect? And tagged on that, he's put, shall we kick Huddersfield players all over the park as revenge <laughs> for Zaha's injury? Yeah. So what do we think? Would, should we have a cup run, or right now is it the last thing we need? Well, I think we spoke before the last round against Ipswich mm. that we should play a full strength team mm. in preparation for <laughs> the next and it, and it did have the desired effect in that we scored a goal or two <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Jimmy Matt got back in the team off the back yeah. of that so can't be you know it wasn't all bad doing that I just I probably think we should do the same thing did he say that Sacco's going to play? so Sacco and Suarez are both going to play Go to plays to start it sounds like it yeah it'll be yeah. Suarez's first game well, competitive game. games to 23s. I think he's done like yeah. half a game, 70 minutes. Almost to exactly 90 minutes. a year after his. I think the game yeah, we played 90 minutes was exactly a year. Was it? Wow. Today, I think. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's if we're looking for positive things, that's you know, that's incredible, really. That would yeah. be that, you know, that would be remarkable. That would be remarkable. Um, unfortunately, as alluded to in the question, Huddersfield are quite a physical team, so I'd be interested to see how Huddersfield approach it. 
yeah. Suarez deserves well. a big crowd. So that's a shame in some ways. Yeah, that yeah. It, that it'll only be a. Well, I think yeah. the club are trying to do a bit of marketing push to get people down there yeah. for, for Suarez's return. Yeah. Well, Shane, because I had a vision on Friday night that we'd be about three and up, two minutes to go, and Suarez would be on the bench and come on. I mean, that would be great. If so, I mean, because Suarez again, you forget. I mean, he's a. We got a lot of options on that left side, left hand side now. But whether he plays again or not, just to see him back in the Palace shirt would be would be fantastic, would be remarkable. And another lift, you know, we're looking for lifts, we're looking for positive things at Palace right now, and yeah, that is a really I, obvious one. I, I, it's interesting, Jesse mentioned that, we did have that conversation before, but I, Hodgson strikes me as the sort of person who probably would play as many of the team against City as he could tomorrow night, just to get them... Yeah, Travis will know this better than we do. I mean, so it's all very well doing stuff on the training ground, but it's you can't replicate 90 minutes of first team. No, that, that, that's what I was going to say, I think it, because it's, he's got his first game against City in the league, he's only had the two two sessions before, you can't really count that at all. I think it'll be a thing that over the past few days, well, especially today, what they've worked on, what they did work on in those two games, um, to solidify that. Maybe you might make a few changes um, to the starting eleven. Luke will come in and he'll be like, he'll use last game and this game as a thing to go, right, I've played the, that team, I've played that type of team. I now know what I need. I know what I'm working with mm. because, like you said, you, you can watch players in training, and someone could look amazing in training. Gets mm. out on the pitch, you know, you could, Bakary Saka could be the best player at training every yeah, single yeah. day, and he doesn't do it in the 90 minutes. Different pressures, aren't they? Yeah, Luca might not be amazing in training for certain drills, but then comes on the pitch. Ah, right now I see what he's about, type yeah, of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I reckon he'll make a couple of changes. I think Luke will come in, um, but I think he'll just use the game as just a judgment on players. Mm. And see what they can do. During so, where would you minutes. play? Where would you play Suarez then? Left back or left back. or wing in front of left back? No, left back. Left back. Left back. left back. And then push one. Push Schlupp or PVA further forward. Personally. Because before I'll he was injured, I mean, he had the, he had. I mean, he had all the energy you wanted to get ahead of the left-sided midfield player then get crosses in, didn't he? Yeah. Sometimes but, too much because it, yeah. it's defensive. The first game back, you know, maybe. Yeah. Wind him in. Jesse makes a good point. Um, Given their start, do you think Huddersfield actually might play a weekend team? I was thinking, I was talking about that with my dad today, and I thought that, that might be a possible thing. But then at the same time, if you don't play a lot of that starting eleven, does momentum slowly get lost a little bit? If you start, if you yeah. play only half the team and rest the better players, then that half the team play with a different set of players, and it kind of throw yeah messes it up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, but that is a delicate even, balance. Yeah. Also, I'm not, and this will sound odd about a team that beat us 3-0 at Sellers Park and there are several points ahead of us. I'm not sure they got a weakened team. Huddersfield, to be honest, I mean, Wagner strikes me as the sort of manager who, again, has his... He's got his 12 or 13 that he'll rely on and I don't think he'll... I don't know who they've got in the league on Saturday, but I don't think he'll want to disrupt that too much by... Yeah. Or he might might really not give a toss about the Caribou Cup and they'll have 200 fans down and you won't worry about whether they win or not, so... I guess it, I suspect, despite what we said about Hodgson using it as an opportunity to play a proper game, he probably would rather not have had it. Huddersfield are away at Burnley on Saturday, which is big game for them. Very winnable. So mm-hmm. let's move on to Manchester. Jesse then. was about to say. Oh, something. sorry, mate. <laughs> um, no, it's more just about they just had flat having um, like a nightmare flashback to them chasing us down in the first game of the season, <laughs> just thinking it's probably not the best. Easing in for Suarez. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. We'll have learnt so much from that. You know, we won't we won't let that happen again, surely. We'll have learnt. <laughs> I think Sorry, very, I forgot his palace. I think the very first podcast we ever did you use the, the phrase we'll have learnt about something or other. <laughs> Eight years later, I still yeah. haven't learned it. Okay. Man City are away on Saturday. 
Um, Max Zucchini. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. That's a great name. Says, is it a good idea to play our returning players against City on Saturday? Zaha and Sacco as examples. I'd, well, you I, mentioned earlier you didn't think it would be a good one. I'd, so, my instinct would be, unless Sacco came flew, through tomorrow night with absolute flying colours, my instinct would be no. Um, if Zaha was anywhere near fit, my instinct would be yes, basically. But Sacco, no. Soiree, definitely not. You know, it's it's in a way City's a sort of game where you would probably maybe look to do, use something like Reader World if they're available as well because City aren't that physical. Yeah, City are quite a continental team. Reader World, that's the sort of game he plays well in mm-hmm. when the game's in front of him, when he can stride it. You know, City don't press all over the pitch. But I think if he gives Sacco 45 tomorrow, then it'll be in the balance if he plays him. If he plays 90, he definitely won't play. I'd have thought next oh, week. Of course, he'd be too, yeah. It's just to get him up to, to speed. Get him up to speed, yeah. Do you remember when we uh, lost at Man City 1-0 around Christmas and we played really well? And Pulis was manager. Yeah, I've just Googled it. It was 2013, yeah. so Pulis was manager. Yeah. Um, so given Roy's pragmatic approach, do we think he'll just go back to basics for that? He'll Because ju- we were so defensive in that game, it nearly worked. We just don't try anything clever. We just go bank of four and whoever in front. And we just try and hold out. It'd be bank of fire. It'd be more than it'll be <laughs> bank of ten. <laughs> but it, but then it comes back to what we talked about very early on. Benteke's not the lone striker to play in that sort of system. And in the end, you're not you're not going to not concede a goal against City. So you need to get one. You, of course you do. Yeah. But it's how you approach the game. And I think Jesse said it's like every. It's not. Let's see what we do in the first. It's what we do in the first ten minutes. It's like. We have to approach that like a cup, like a cup game. Really, mm-hmm. we have to accept where we are, and what's in, and the context. But we have to also pick the players that aren't scared of that situation. But we do have to go forward at some stage. And we, and we, the one thing we think City probably will make do is concede goals. They will get, and they will be overconfident, and they will. Well, let's hope they are, because yeah. right now you've yeah. got the probably the most confident squad in the Premier League against the the least confident squad. Yeah. Also, you look at their play. I mean, De Bruyne and Aguero are just beyond world class, aren't they? It's yeah. like, and Aguero has added hard work to his game this season as well. Yeah. It's like he's like. Well, you well, look at that yeah. Jesus as well, Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. He's, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just popped up with new. I think he's been involved yeah. in like fifteen goals in only thirteen starts or something. Have, they, have they got a Champions yeah. League game midweek afterwards though? Um, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah because so, the Champions yeah. League was so, yeah, last they played week. Last week, didn't they? So, um, I mean, if even if City play a second string side, it's still. You're looking at still trying not to yeah, see no, 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 anything yeah. they play is dangerous. Unfortunately, their Champions League fixture was against Shakhtar Donetsk on Tuesday. Oh, there we go. Away, <laughs> home. Oh, well. um, final question <laughs> then. Okay, so and I think I know the answer to this, but Ryan McCourt, hi Ryan, Ryan, has said, "Would it be worth playing Spironi?" He hasn't said when, but I'm assuming he means for Man City, but maybe Huddersfield. I say right now, yeah. Another mistake good. from Wayne at the weekend. Yeah. Put Jules in. He was good in pre-season. There were rumours that the ball was going to play him. Uh, after playing him in pre-season then changed his mind we've got nothing to lose to chuck Wayne in uh, ar- sorry chuck Jules in the answer's always yes to that question I thought he was going to start in the first game because against Schalke he looked really comfortable with the ball at his feet yeah. and the thing is that Palace fans won't get on his back if he does make a mistake and all the players it's uh, you know we had a situation after seven eight minutes on Saturday when just everyone's shoulders just collectively slumped because it was a 
stupid error I'm amazed. from an international goalkeeper. And it's just like, no no one even turns around to have a go at him. They just trudge back to the starting line. Yeah, we were the, yeah, we were there five minutes before the Southampton players got there back in, you know. And you don't even see Hennessy get up. If Julian makes a mistake, he gets up and starts shouting and waving. He's, of course he should be. Yes, yes, the answer is yes. I'm amazed <laughs> in the last, including Roy, because he didn't do it on Saturday, but say our last four managers haven't just seen it's a good PR move. Yeah, if yeah, nothing yeah, else, yeah, just yeah. to put jaws yeah. between the sticks because it's how to get, if you want to get that home advantage back, yeah. he's, 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 he can play a part in that. So well, I'm amazed Pardew didn't do it at the end of his stint. Yeah. Allardyce had an opportunity to put him in. Well, you Liverpool game at home when we looked like we were going to get a point and Benteke died. Yeah, um, McCarthy gave away. Yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ledley had equalised and then McCarthy gave yeah. away a really stupid Part goal. to Firmino, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then everyone just like, and if it, if it had been Julian, that, the mistake might have happened, but the crowd wouldn't have just gone so There's a bigger question flat. for another pod, at the yeah. end of this one, there's a big, for another pod, as to why a string of managers don't play Jules, well, don't play Especially when... Yeah, Hodgson was saying at the weekend in one of his interviews that we need a goalkeeper as to 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 push Hennessy yeah. to give him competition. It's like, well, that's really disrespectful because yeah. you've got that. Yeah, exactly. And arguably, you've got a keeper who's better than Hennessy. Full stop. Who deserves a chance? And it's like with, for everything that's that Julian's done for us, the fact that he's not getting a stiff is really well. He's beyond deserved a chance. Of like, course, yeah, like, that's been there for a long time. Especially when you get rid of the third keeper, so you you've got one spot available for a, a free agent, which is a, yeah. an outrageous piece of behaviour. Yeah. Well, let's hope Jules is in a Tuesday night against Huddersfield, along with Sacco. He probably will be. But he won't be against. I, I will almost guarantee now he'll be in tomorrow night, but he won't be on Saturday. Well, hope maybe hopefully yeah. you know uh, Roy would have seen enough and he plays well on Tuesday. I hope he, I I I got a feeling he might be in Saturday. I really I hope so. Maybe that's heart overhead. But a clean sheet for Jules against a Premier League team be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which um, what Huddersfield? You mean? Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, that's the end of this week's podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, thank you to Kevin. Travis. Have we been positive enough? Do you think? I think we've been positive. Don't you think? Yeah. So. In the circumstances. Yeah. And we've had a positive guest on as well, talking yeah, very, very, uh, very highly about Roy. So thank yeah. you very much to Dean Carley for for chatting to us about that. Uh, thank you to Kevin, Jesse, or Kevin, Ooh. Travis, yeah. <laughs> and Jesse. No worries. The people at home didn't know who you were I know, pointing I at. I pointed then, so. at Travis, but it's been a long pod. Um, <laughs> and thank you for listening and your questions. We'll be back with you after the Man City game. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Cheers. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.